Hey everybody, my name's Jacob, pastor here at Providence, and I just want to take a deep breath and celebrate what God is up to, how God has used you and used us to bless children in Haiti and those who sleep on the ground right here in, in Wilson County. And as Mark has prayed already, this has been a difficult and emotional week in our nation. We have all felt, all the people I've talked to have felt the weight of this time. It just feels like it's just everything's hard. But what we're doing at Providence is seeking to create a different kind of community, a Jesus community, a community of people where we're so focused on Jesus, his way, his way of love, his way of peace, his way of mercy for all people. And what we're doing right now, guys, as we start the year, is just sort of doubling down, you know, doubling down believing that the local church is the hope of the world. <laughs> so Mark and I are going to be talking next week, uh, next Sunday. It's a Sunday we call Vision Sunday, so please join us for that. We have some really special things, some important things to share, some things that God has laid on our heart, and we're going to be amazed together to see how God used this church in 2020, but more than that, how God's going to use the church, not Providence Church, but how God's going to use the church in 2021. <laughs> My first job at a church, actually, I was 19 years old, sophomore in college, and I was an intern at a church in my college town. And my first day there, they showed me to my office and it was in a broom closet. <laughs> now they, they didn't say, this is your office in a broom closet, Jacob, but it was indisputably a closet. I mean, I, I was at a state university, but I could still identify a closet and it had brooms in it. So I, I always thought of it as my broom closet office. And they put a desk in the closet and actually this, this chair. And I sat down and the first thing that I was asked to do was write handwritten letters to students in the student ministry who I did not know. But I grew to love this chair, like this actual chair. And at some point uh, in my broom closet, I turned the chair over and I found that it was made by the Gunlock Chair Company in Wayland, New York. It has its own serial number. It was inspected by inspector number 27 and it has a stamp on it that lets you know the chair was built in 1941. So after a couple of years at working at the church there, I was moved out of the broom closet. I moved into this shared office with the business administrator of the church, a retired army colonel named Jim Dixon. And I asked him if I could bring the chair. And so I moved that chair with me through all the offices I had. I was there almost nine years. We actually moved from a historic downtown location out to a brand new building. I got my own office and a new building, but I took the chair. And over the years, there were all kinds of new things that happened in my life. I added some degrees to the wall, ordination certificates, a bunch of new stuff in my life, a, a wedding picture, a baby daughter, another baby daughter. But still, I planted myself in the same old chair every day. And when I was leaving that church to come and start Providence Church, another new beginning I knew nothing about, uh, Jim Dixon, my old office mate, <laughs> met me out at my car and he was carrying this chair, my broom closet chair. And you know, that church blessed me and Rachel so much. We had our beginning there, all those first things. And they gave us a bunch of nice gifts to go out. Many of the people of that church made financial investments in this church that didn't exist and that they would never see. There's actually some people that have given every month and still give to this church, it's amazing. But the best thing I think maybe that they gave me was putting me in a broom closet on a chair, <laughs> built the year Pearl Harbor was attacked and had me write handwritten letters because I still sit in this chair and I still write handwritten letters. You get it, I love this chair. It sort of reminds me of where I came from. 
I like the story of the chair. I actually researched how the chair was made. Uh, in 1941, the Gunlock Chair Company converted to a type of assembly line, not with machines, but still with people, a handmade chairs, but they made chairs quicker as they began to send them out to military facilities all over the world for the war. I've had this chair over 20 years now, so I feel like it's mine. And there've been times I've had to clean it up, tighten a screw, but it still pretty much looks and feels the way it did 80 years ago. So I came to Providence Church and we had these little makeshift offices all over town and I would move the chair wherever we met <laughs> until we moved into this building. And somehow, I don't, I don't recollect, but I didn't bring the chair. I didn't bring it here. I had a new office, all this new furniture, didn't seem to fit. I'm not sure if I forgot my humble beginnings, but I forgot my chair. But you know, life has a way of keeping you humble. And last March, I moved offices again. And my office became a makeshift area in my bonus room, like a lot of you guys did. And there I sat at a desk by a rarely used treadmill, a dollhouse or two, and there it was, my chair. And so for all the pandemic, I've been uh, sitting back in the chair. Even writing this sermon this week, I sat down in the chair. You know, there is for all of us an old place and an old story that no matter how far we go, it's still our place and it's still our story, even if we forget it. You know, we actually all have humble beginnings because we all share the same beginning. And our beginning place as the people of God is dust and spirit. Listen to Genesis chapter two. It says, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Let me read it to you. It says, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground, but streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. It's an important part of our story, this dust from dust, from dust we came and the dust we will return. But that, of course, is not the whole of the story. The rest of the verse says this, the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So the dust is from the ground, but the breath is from the Lord. We are physical bodies, but we're spiritual beings, made from dust, but made from the breath of Almighty God. And that's why we need to know our story, our humble dust beginnings and our miraculous breath of God beginning. We need to know both parts. These bodies will decay and we need to know that the spirit in us will never die. And it was in that garden, what's called the Garden of Eden, where man was formed. And if you read on, man and woman were formed. In that garden, God would walk. God would stroll. God would come into the garden in the cool of the day, in the late afternoon, in this beautiful place he had made, and he would walk with his beautiful, imperishable people. And then the garden was lost. A snake showed up and convinced the man and woman to take hold of the one thing that God said they should not eat, and they did eat, and they were expelled from the garden. So yeah, a part of our origin story is that we forget. 
Like we forget our humble beginnings, that we're totally relying upon the Spirit of God, that we're not just dust, we're spirit, and the Spirit was breathed into us by God. But a part of our story is forgetting that, forgetting you know, where we came from. Sometimes we forget where we came from and we end up in a world with pandemic and abuse and riots and distrust and people breathing down their necks at each other. And we don't even remember that there ever was a garden. It's like we don't even remember that there, there was an alternative to this sin-filled world that we see. But I have something to tell you today. And it's something that Jesus said when he was having what seems to be a very important and intimate conversation with his disciples. It's found in Matthew chapter 19, if you want to look at it. What's taking place here is there's been a rich man that has asked Jesus how he can get the life, how he can get the eternal life. And Jesus tells him, he says, you can have it if you go sell all that you have, if you give up everything. And the man, the rich man, he can't do it. It says he walks away sad because he doesn't know his origin story or he forgot it, it seems that he started with nothing. So to give everything away is, you know, just going back to the beginning. And so he goes away sad, the rich man, and Jesus is left with his disciples. And they're asking Jesus, Jesus, if we have to give everything up to follow you, then what is going to be left for us? What are we going to have? And this is what Jesus says, Matthew 19, 28. He says, here's what I tell you guys. At the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on His glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Cool for the disciples, right? But listen to verse 29. And everyone who has left their house or their brother or their sister or their father, everyone who's left mother or wife or child, or field for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Jesus is saying that your future and my future, the future for any of us who follow him will be the renewal of all things, the renewal of the garden, the renewal of the presence of God strolling past us in the late afternoon just because God wants to be with us. And any of us who have left things, any of us who've left anything behind for Jesus will receive a hundred times as much at the renewal of all things. Not when Jesus makes a bunch of new things, when he pulls all the old chairs out of the closet and makes them new again. They were good when they were made and he will restore the goodness. Why is that important today? Why are we talking about it in the first weeks of January? Why talk about it on a week when we're so disappointed to see the actual division amongst our own countrymen and women? Why? Well, I like the way John Eldridge says it. He says, how we feel about our future has enormous consequences for our hearts now. How we feel about tomorrow affects today. What we believe about tomorrow affects our hearts. If you think tomorrow's gonna be great, today will have a different feel. <laughs> if you're counting down to Disney World, you can handle Tuesday in the cubicle. Pandemic though, this season has showed us where we have been putting our future hope for real. And where we've been putting our future hope might not have been what we thought. Because when we couldn't plan for the weekend and our trips were canceled, our hearts grew sad. As we walked through month after month, the light in our eyes has dimmed. 
the reason Jesus' renewal of all things is so important today is if we can put our hope in our real future in Jesus, then we can have hope and life and joy right now. And even though today might not be great, we know tomorrow is coming. I am not a sociologist or a political analyst. I learned that this week. I'm a local pastor, but I can tell you something. Something is happening to the human heart. And it's indicated by what we are looking towards. Something is happening to our hearts and it's not good. We were created good, very good by God, but we lost the garden. And some of us have forgot our beginning. And the reason our beginning is so important is because Jesus has promised to renew it at a later date, yes, but in our hearts right now. So that's why I refer us to the Eldridge quote, how we feel about our future affects our hearts now, which means if we're just looking to our marriage right now or our kids or food or sex or alcohol or the next trip or the next night out or the next news story to touch the ache inside us, it won't work because we're aching for the garden. Your phone notification will distract you for a moment. Your Netflix binge and my news story binge will distract for a moment, but the ache remains. And what I mean by that is we're aching for our future. The longing in us is for God to walk with us again. And guys, we don't have to wait. He sent Jesus and we can walk with him now. Viktor Frankl, an Austrian neurologist and Holocaust and concentration camp survivor, lost a lot. First, he lost his daughter who was aborted because Victor and his wife were Jewish and no Jewish babies were allowed to be born. Then he lost his wife who died in a concentration camp far away from him. Then he and his mother were sent to Auschwitz where his mother died and his father and his brother. And so Victor Frankl knows what it is to lose father and mother and brother and wife. But he became known for his writings on meaning and it's sort of summed up in a famous quote by Viktor Frankl where he said this, a man who becomes conscious of the responsibility he bears towards a human being or to an unfinished work will never be able to throw away his life. So if we're looking towards someone or some other thing to come, we can't throw it all away. Viktor Frankl said, he knows the why for his existence and will be able to bear almost any how. Frankel, he saw up close the loss of the garden. If there was ever evidence of the loss of God's intended order in creation, it must have been Auschwitz. And he said, if someone is waiting for an unfinished work and understands his why and place in it, he can bear any how. And there's a word for this, guys. The word is hope and there is hope. Hebrews chapter six talks about it as God's promise to us, uh, God's oath it's talked about in Hebrews six, God's promise to bless us, to restore us. It, it's a hope for us that's like an anchor. Listen to the verse in Hebrews six. This is uh, Hebrews six nineteen. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, for the spirit, firm and secure. And it, the hope, enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. So our hope is our anchor, firm and secure. This curtain, that was a place that separated the people from the presence of God in the temple. But Jesus, he didn't just go behind the curtain, he tore the curtain down. So the presence is now loosed again. The message version of that verse, Hebrews 6, 19, says it like this. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab 
the promise hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God. Hope is our anchor and hope in Jesus gets us into the presence. You see, Adam and Eve, they got to walk with God. They got to be in the presence of the Lord. But God still wants to walk with his people. He made a way. We lost the garden, but he sent Jesus to be present with us so we could know his presence. The curtain is torn down and Jesus is going to renew all things. That is our hope. So whether you have Disney on the schedule or not, you're going to the garden one day. Forget the magic kingdom, we get the garden of Eden or do both, life's good. But some of us have forgotten to bring the chair into this season of our lives. We've forgotten where we came from and we've lost hope. We've been numbed by our phones or we decided to sit down in the chair of our political party. Well, we need to sit back down in our place, in our story as the people of God. The hope for America will be the people of God remembering who they are in Christ. Who are we? If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. We've got it. The old is gone and the new is here in our spirit. Today, guys, the ache that you feel, it's not just grief over the last year that we've been in. What you feel is a longing for something that's coming. Jesus promises in Revelation, he says, he comes and sits in his chair and he says, behold, I'm going to make it all new. Let me read that to you. Revelation 21, 5. Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I will make all things new. And if you feel something in you when that's read, if you feel something when you hear, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Guys, what that you're feeling is, is the hope of those who put their faith in Christ. It's no small thing, and it is the thing that will keep you going. So put your faith in Jesus today. Find your hope in Jesus today. You are dust, but you are spirit. Amen.